Good morning. Again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, God continues to bless us. He continues to keep us. He continues to provide for us, and he is the reason that life is worth living. I would venture that the things that God has done for us uh, that we are unaware of far outweigh the number of things that we are aware of. Uh, the Bible says that he is the Lord of all the earth. Uh, this means that he does everything that he does for all of us all the time, all at the same time. And in his awesomeness, uh, God deals with us, all of us, all the time, all at the same time, and still remains the good God that he is. I think that alone says that God is awesome. If he can deal with all of us, all the time, all at the same time, and still remain the good God that he is, that says that he is sure enough a good God. Uh, the psalmist declares in Psalm 7, verse 17, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. And isn't it good to serve the God who remains the good God that he is in spite of the fact that he deals with all of us all the time, all at the same time. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention again this morning uh, to the text that was read into our hearing there in Ephesians 3. Uh, we want to read again there verse number 20. The apostle declares, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Based on the words of the apostle there in Ephesians 3, we want to use this morning as a subject, the great performer. And before we uh, uh, approach the text uh, this morning, I want to say two preliminary things. Uh, you may notice a great deal of similarity in content between uh, the Bible class on Wednesday and the messages uh, this month uh, on, on today. Uh, Brent and I don't plot together. We, we, we don't sit down together and you, you say this and then I'll say that and then it'll look like uh, it must be true because it, it, you know, it matches up. But we, we don't work together. It, it's just that the word of God is in complete agreement uh, uh, with everything that is stated throughout uh, uh, the Bible. Uh, the second thing I want to say, uh, I, I have not learned but been reminded because you are thinking something doesn't mean that other people know what you are thinking. Now, what I mean to say by that is typically when you get the bulletin, uh, you know, I'll have three points and then there'll be some space for you to fill in uh, between the three points. Uh, last week, what I did was send in three items with no space between them. And my thinking was, because I sent three items with no space between them, it would be printed with three items, no space between them. Well, lo and behold, when I looked in the bulletin this morning, there are three items with space between them as I typically send them in. Uh, and I'm going to say to you this morning, if you try to squeeze in information uh, that I give you based on how that's formatted, you're going to be very upset 
that I need a whole lot of space for the third point and really didn't need any for the first and second. I, I should have uh, uh, thought just because I'm thinking something doesn't mean that other people will know what I'm thinking. So I'm telling you beforehand, uh, don't come to me after service and say you didn't say anything under points one and two. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Everything that I'm going to say this morning principally goes under the third point and however you can squeeze that on there for it to fit, then amen and hallelujah. <laughs> now, having said that, let me say, just because I have one item uh, where you will put information this morning doesn't mean that the message will be any shorter. <laughs> amen. <laughs> so if you're thinking, oh, I'll be out of here by about 10 of, uh, you probably won't. Now, let me give you the rationale for why uh, we have uh, just one, one item this morning that we want to fill in information under. Uh, in a Peanuts comic strip, uh, Charlie Brown is sitting there uh, seeking some counsel from Lucy. And Lucy asks him, she says, are you discouraged again, Charlie Brown? And if you're familiar with Peanuts, you could understand why Charlie Brown would be discouraged. And then she says to him, the trouble with you, Charlie Brown, is your you. Charlie Brown is even more depressed, and he asks her, well, what in the world can I do about that? And Lucy says to him, I don't pretend to give advice. I merely point out the trouble. Now, let me read something to you. The great gospel preacher, Jim McGuigan, once noted, the bulk of our preaching and teaching is diagnosis. As important as this is, it isn't the whole answer at all. Cancer diagnosed remains cancer and needs more than recognition. Uh, there's one bulletin point that I want to uh, uh, address this morning uh, because we're going to endeavor to do more than just address the problem. Have you ever gone to a funeral and heard the preacher say, you need to get to know Jesus. Yeah. And that's well and fine. You do need to get to know Jesus, but how do I do that? See, if you just tell me the how, but not the what, then you leave me somewhat uh, uh, uninformed and unprepared. So this morning, we want to try to deal with uh, uh, the how and the what. And, and I thought if I had one point that you uh, have sufficient space to work with. Now, having said all of that, as we consider the text that we have there uh, uh, before us in, in Ephesians chapter 3, I submit to you that the potential of our blessings resides in the fact that our belief in God must be more than intellectual assent to what the Bible declares. We must walk by faith. Now, stated another way, uh, that's simply saying we must do more we must do more than just believe uh, uh, the promises of God. We must stake our lives on them. And that threw me because I wasn't expecting it to flash up there the way it did. Uh, we have given consideration this morning, uh, this month rather, to the fact that God has the power to heal and God has the power to change. The prevailing thought for this message is that God has the power to accomplish. And after the fact, I think I know what it did. Kevin, you fixed this so the print would show up better. Thank you, brother. All right, I was worried about that all week. Uh, you know, it's, it's dark on the outside and light in the middle, and so 
no particular color shows up well all the way through. And thank you, Kevin, all on the job, as he always is. Uh, the prevailing thought for this message is that God has the power to accomplish who we were outside of Christ and who we need to be in Christ are miles apart. And, and even now, I would venture that none of us uh, uh, sees ourselves as a completed project. I remember in the Old Testament, God declaring that his thoughts and ways are far superior to ours. You remember he says that as, as high as the heavens are above the earth are, are, are my thoughts to your thoughts and my ways to your ways. I, I would venture that the difference between who we were and who we may yet be and, and who God calls us to be, uh, uh, there's kind of that same disparity that, that they're just miles apart. But when I read Ephesians chapter 3, if I understand the apostle correctly in the text, he declares that God has the power to span that gap. Now, let me change gears on you for, for a moment. I, I want to say something about the limitation of language and words. That there are things that you can endeavor to express to another person, but, but sometimes what language and what words will convey don't capture the full idea of what it is that you're trying to express. Now, now, for example, ha have you ever used the expression, mm? Now, now, you might spell that a different way, but this is my sermon, and that's how I chose to spell it. <laughs> Sometimes people will ask you things, and, and all you can really say is, mm. You know, what's it like uh, to lose a, a parent or, or, or a child or a spouse? I, I could tell you some things, but, mm. It's really hard to express that uh, 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 in words. Uh, 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 what's it like to become a parent or a grandparent? You know, I, I talk to people sometimes and they just say, my grandchildren. I'm like, you don't even have to say anything else. It, when, when you say grandkids, mm, I, I get it. I look, I, I, I can't make this church function because of my grandkids. I, I, mm, I get it. I look, I understand. When somebody says, what's it like to be a grandfather? Just, mm. I, I mean, I could tell you some things, but it's not going to begin to capture uh, 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 what that feels like and, and, and what that is. Well, well, when we talk about the power of God, you, mm, I, you know, I mean, you can say some things, but, but you can't really put in words uh, 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 how great the power of God is. Paul, Paul attempts to communicate this to us, and, and I think he understands full well uh, 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 what he's trying to communicate, but, but words just sometimes fall short of what it is that you're trying to say. If you peek back in chapter 1 in there in Ephesians, uh, uh, verses 19 and 20, Paul says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. The same God of power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same God of power that is now working on our behalf. But, but have you ever stopped to think, how much power does it take to raise a dead man? Mm, I, I mean, yeah, 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 the exceeding greatness of his power. But, but it's hard to put in words just how great God's power is. So when we look in chapter 3 at verse number 20, Paul says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, 
above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Paul said, I'm trying to tell you about the power of God, but, but the only thing that really describes the power of God is, mm. I mean, we, we just serve an awesome God. His power transcends our cognitive capacity. So when we look at Ephesians chapter 3, in the text, Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And it's my prayer that we're all praying for the Lord's church. I mean, praying for the church as one body, praying for the different congregations of the church, and then praying for all of us as members of the one body. We ought to be in the regular habit of praying for the church. Now, the prayer of the text is for God to empower the church to fulfill its God-given mission. Now, if you look in your bulletin, you'll notice the first one there, uh, uh, God has all power, and God has the power to do anything. I'm just kind of stating those matter-of-factly, that though those aren't uh, negotiable or, or, or are capable of argument, those are just facts. God has all power. That, that's why when you talk about God's power, all you can really say is, mm because it, it's just a power unlike any other. But I find Paul's prayer interesting. His prayer addresses first things first. He prayed for the Christians to have inner strength. And I believe that's because the real battle of the spiritual life is waged within before it can be waged without. I know sometimes we would like to uh, 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 have it seem like uh, all my problems are from external things. Uh, you know, if people weren't people, if, if, if y'all didn't act like y'all acted, and if this wasn't this, then, then everything would be fine. But, but I believe if we are honest about it, the real problem starts with me. And, and when I get some kind of handle on me, uh, then the other problems will just kind of take care of, of themselves. So Paul prayed, let's address self first. And when we look there in, in verse number 16, Paul says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, now this is where you're going to need the space for the notes. God has the power to enable us to win the struggle with self. And you know, that's quite a struggle. If that's a day-by-day -day struggle. And sometimes you're still struggling today with things you have been struggling with for years. But the message from Paul in the text here is that God has the power to enable us to win the struggle with self. And did you know that living, uh, 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 that in living the Christian life, every day we go to war with ourselves? Paul was well acquainted uh, uh, with the struggle with self. Uh, in Romans 7, verses 19 and 20, uh, uh, Paul there gave us a word about uh, uh, the daily struggle of fighting yourself. And, and you know, yourself is a hard fight. Uh, it, it's easier say, to say no to other folk, usually, than it is to say no to yourself. Uh, uh, there in Romans 7, in verse number 19, Paul says, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul said, let me tell you something about this struggle with self. It's, it's more than just knowing what's right. Paul said, if just knowing what's right was, was, was the answer to the struggle, then I wouldn't be struggling. 
Paul said, I know what's right. That's not my problem. The problem is, even though I know what's right, sometimes I want to do what's wrong. And, and don't look like you don't understand the struggle. And, and we know what's right. And what's right? Uh, 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 turn the other cheek. That's right. Now, now, every time somebody says something to you, is that what you want to do? And look, if we want to get real, every time somebody says something to you, is that what you do? If Paul says, see, the struggle is I know what I should do. But there's this other part of me that wants to do what it wants to do. And every day these two go to war. Sin appeals to our carnal nature. And, and I think the sooner we embrace that, the, the better we'll do with it. Uh, it. Sin just appeals to our carnal nature. Now, I'm not saying we're justified in doing wrong. I'm just stating, as a matter of fact, we have two natures in us, and sin appeals to the carnal nature. But the problem with sin is that sin just lies all the time. You know somebody that lies all the time? You know, even the best of liars don't lie all the time. And <laughs> you know, anybody can tell the truth sometime. But sin lies to us all the time. And it lies to us by promising what it cannot and will not deliver. Now, now for example, sin promises satisfaction but leaves us unfulfilled and wanting more. You ever prayed that, played that this is the last time game with yourself? See, sin is telling you just one last time, and, and, and I'm going to be good. And, and you never reach the point where you were good. Sin always said, you know what, How, just one more. And, and sin will keep you in that loop for years. Sin promises that our actions can be kept hidden so that no one will know. Now, if you believe that, just have a talk with, with uh, uh, old King David. David would tell you, you ain't slick enough and you can't hide deep enough that the power of God can't expose what you've done. Sin promises that we won't have to worry about the consequences. See, sin will just tell you, go ahead, you can worry about that later on. And, and, and I don't know about you, but whenever you have to settle up for wrong, you know, you ask yourself, was it worth it? No, it wasn't worth it. It, it. it wasn't worth being separated from God. It, it, it ain't worth my soul. But, but sin tells you, you don't have to worry about settling up. Just go ahead and enjoy yourself right now. Sin has us in quite a fix. But remember the power of God. Mm. If you look there again in Romans chapter 7, in verses 24 and 25, Paul says, O wretched man that I am. It's saying just, it, it just put me through something. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But then watch verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. You know, the conclusion Paul came to, God's power is just, mm. As much of a fix as sin will have us in, the power of God is greater than the power of sin. And so when we look at chapter 3, we need to appreciate we need the power of God working in us to win the struggle with self. But now observe how this thing works. In verse number 16 again, Paul says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Paul says, now you're going to need God's spirit working inside you if you're going to win the struggle with self. 
And thank God, when we were baptized into Christ, God put his spirit in us. Did you know that's one of the reasons God gives us the spirit? To help us win the struggle with self. The Holy Spirit working in us will enable us to win the struggle with self. But he will not give us strength greater than the degree that we yield to him. In other words, God won't make us be something we don't want to be. God won't make us be something that we aren't willing to work with him to become. He doesn't make us do right. He gives us free will. But the question then I, I think that begs to be asked is how do I give control of my life to the Holy Spirit? Isn't that really the struggle? I, I know what the Bible said, but, but day in and day out, when I'm riding down the road and somebody cut me off, it, when I get to work and them folk just been working my nerves day after day, it, it, when I go home and you know he ain't been acting right since we said I do, it, how do I deal, how, how do I give the Holy Spirit control in, in those kind of cases? You know, when, one of those when you come here, you know, child, before I knew it, I had, yeah, yeah, how do I get the Holy Spirit to help me when I got to deal with those kinds of things? And I don't want this to sound like all you have to do is. You know, if all you had to do is, then I've, uh, I, I, I believe all of us would be a lot farther along than we already are. You know, all you have to do is pray about it. Well, well if that's all you had to do, then now you should pray about it. But if all you had to do was pray, but look, y'all pray for me. I'll even pop up on the screen what I need you to pray for. If, if, if that's all that needs to be done to help me win the struggle. Paul said, no, it involves a little more than that. You've got to let God's spirit work inside of you. In, in Colossians 3 and, and verse number 16, I don't know if I, there it is. Uh, uh, Colossians 3, verse number 16 uh, uh, Paul says to us there, uh, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with uh, grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, appreciate, the word of God is not given to us just for our information, it's also given to us for our transformation. Now, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, with all wisdom. Now, now, what Paul is saying here, the word is to dwell or to reside in us. It is to take up residence in our minds and not just make periodic visits on Sunday morning and, and Wednesday evening. You, you ever had somebody over to your house and, and when they come in, you tell them, make yourself at home? Now, now if you were raised in a proper, self, uh, proper house, make yourself at home means come in and have a seat. It don't really mean come in my house and act like you act in your house. <laughs> See, you might do some stuff in your house that we don't do in, in my house. See, in your house, you may put your feet up on the furniture. Well, well, well in my house, I, I might do that because it's my furniture. But don't you come in my house and put your feet up on my furniture. It'd be a long time before you get a, a second uh, a request to visit. We ought to make the spirit at home in our minds, uh, 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 in our hearts. And, and notice what he says here. Sometimes I used to wonder about that. So he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then he talked about singing. Well, what does singing have to do with the word dwelling in, in me richly? You know, we remember a great deal through songs. Some of us, if you were just to, uh, 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 some kind of way you could measure uh, what do we have uh, remembered most in our minds? For many of us, it would be songs. 
You know, some of you could turn the radio on, we sing all day long. And, and we ain't sat down and purposely remembered the lyrics to anything, but we know a lot of songs. You ever notice uh, much of the time when they have a commercial on TV that they got a little catchy jingle with it? Sometimes you'd be riding to work, walking around at work, singing that little jingle. You ain't even thinking about it. The songs just tend to stay with you. And, and so Paul says, you need the word of God because it's not just for our information, it's for our transformation. And one of the ways the word of God will stay with you is if you sing it. I, I remember James saying, if, if anybody's happy, let them sing. And, and I don't think he meant like James Brown, I feel good. Yeah, yeah, sing something like, there is a God, he is alive. Yeah, when you have that kind of stuff in your mind, do you know that you are what you eat? And what you have in your mind is what will manifest itself in your living. Paul said, you really want to win the struggle with self, you got to let the word of God take up residence in your mind. Let the word be at home. And the word will frame uh, 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 how I conduct myself. So it says that you just need to be in contact with the word. That'll answer that question, how often do I need to come to worship service and Bible class? Uh, how hard are you trying to win the struggle with self? See, the more I'm trying to win the struggle with self, the more into the word of God I'm going to be. I'm going to find it necessary to pick the word up other than when I'm with the rest of the church. Because the struggle with self ain't just when you come to the building. The struggle with self is all day long. So I'm going to find it necessary to pick up the word on my own sometime. It, just so that I have the Holy Spirit taking up residence and helping me win this battle against myself. And when the word takes up residence in my mind, it helps regulate my nature and my behavior. The psalmist declares in Psalm 119, verse 11, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, the psalmist understood something. Before I can do right, I got to know what's right. And then Paul understood, but it ain't just knowing what's right. Because I know what's right, but sometimes I want to do the exact opposite. I got to let the spirit work inside me. You know, sometimes we'll we tell folk the spirit is working inside me. You know, we'll, we'll tell you, if you had done that to me five years ago. See, what you're saying is I'm letting the Holy Spirit work in me now. I, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm, I'm trying to follow what the Holy Spirit has told me I ought to do. And allowing the spirit to guide my living is going to draw me closer to Jesus. Notice what he says in verse 17 there in Ephesians 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now that's in conjunction with what he just said in verse 16. Christ will dwell in our hearts by faith when we let the spirit work in us. But before the spirit can work in me, I gotta know what it is he said in the first place. Well, where does the spirit do his talking? In the word of God. That's why Paul said, let the word dwell in you richly with all wisdom. And what I've learned is as you get closer to someone, your desire to please them grows. Any married people in the house? Uh, maybe I should say any happily married people in the house. <laughs> you know, the way you feel about your spouse now ain't the same way you felt about them when you said, I do. I want to do more now. We've we just grown closer over the years. I, I know you better. You mean more to me now. That's if you're happy. Now, now if, you just, if you just stuck together, 
Uh, you need to go see one of the elders and sign up for some counseling. But as you get closer, the desire to please grows. When we look at this struggle with self, appreciate God's part is sure. See, because God just has that power that's just, mm. God's part is sure. The wild card is us. See, we can win the struggle with self if I let the word dwell in me. But, but understand, it's a conditional proposition. I've got to do my part in order for God to do his part. The struggle exists because of us. God says, I want to help you win the struggle with self. Why do you think he causes the gospel message to be preached? He's trying to help people win the struggle with self. The struggle starts uh, uh, even before we were baptized. God says, that's why I need you to hear the, the good news of Christ Jesus. That's, that's the start to winning the struggle with self. You need to know that there is a savior that died for you, but was raised from the dead by the power of God and who uh, lives and intercedes on your behalf even now. Romans 10, 17 declares faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God said, I'm trying to help you win the struggle with self. That's why you need to hear the good news about Christ Jesus. Then you need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, John 8, verse 24. Jesus says, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Then there must be the willingness to repent. Repentance says, I'm going to stop calling the shots in my life. I'm going to let the word of God rule, and Jesus is going to be my master. Luke 13, 3, Luke 13, 5, Jesus said, I tell you, nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. We must make the confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Matthew 10, 32, and then be baptized in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. And the critical thing about baptism, it is an obedient response to the command of God, but it's also what God does when we yield to the command. See, when we yield to the command as a matter of grace and mercy, God washes away our sin, gives us a new start by the blood of Christ Jesus, puts his spirit inside of us. Remember, that's critical to winning the struggle with self. I need the strength of the spirit working in my inner man to help me win the struggle with self. That's why God puts his spirit inside, or one of the reasons God puts his spirit inside of us. And then he adds us to the church. You know why he adds us to the church? Because even with all of that, you're going to need some help winning the struggle with self. You're going to need a spiritual family. You've got a blood family, but you're going to need a spiritual family to help you because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When we go down into the waters of baptism, God adopts us into his family as one of his own. And thereafter, he requires that we live obediently according to his word. That's simply saying, I let the Spirit be my guide, and I follow what the Spirit declares in the Word of God. And when we will do that, God will be glorified through the lives that we live. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation, or you want the church to pray for you. And if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation. <laughs>